Welcome to Full Court Press, and I'm Liam Griffin. Will, your birthday was yesterday, and you still don't have a driver's license. Unfortunately, with driving in places. Hey, man, I'd be more than happy to drive you places. All right, boys and girls, back with me today is my friend and passionate fan of Houston's Big Three, Mr. Will Arnson. On today's episode, Gonzaga beats Duke, Villanova beats no one, and the Grizzlies beat a bunch of teams, but we begin today with the struggles of my Boston Celtics. Despite winning last night, the Celtics are 4-7 and seven in their last 11, including a bad loss to the Knicks, and they've lost several games in which they've had double-digit leads. It got so bad, they got booed at the Boston Garden Wednesday night, Will. What can they do to turn it around? Uh, the Celtics really need to let their young players showcase their flashes of stardom that really surprised the league last year. Uh, the field goal percentages of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Terriers year are all way down this year, and they just don't seem comfortable playing out there like they did last year. Also, Gordon Hayward's disappointing start to the season has also contributed, but the Celtics seem to be relying too much on Kyrie Irving to be their lone superstar instead of letting their other players showcase their talent. I mean, you make an excellent point. They have a ton of talent, and they proved that in the playoffs last year because... They were missing two All-Stars in the playoffs last year, and they were carried to the Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. So, what I'm seeing right now is the addition of two All-Stars only hurting them, because everyone was thinking before the season started, oh, two All-Stars, they're locks to get into the Finals, especially now that LeBron is gone, but it's not looking like it right now, man, because their chemistry isn't great, I'm not going to lie. The field goal percentage is hideous, and I know... They picked up a good win last night in Atlanta, but they're going to Dallas tonight. They, they need to win tonight, too. Prove they can win a back-to-back. Yeah, honestly, I think they have too many pieces, and it's hurting them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, my Rockets had their struggles early, and it might be Boston's turn now. Hopefully not. The Grizzlies, unlike the Celtics, though, are trending upward at 12-6, and six, very surprising. And they are tied for first in the West. The return of Mike Conley has possibly been the impact. Liam, can the Grizzlies keep it going like this? <gasps> no. The Rockets and Thunder both got off to bad starts in the West, so, and the Grizzlies got off to a good start. So that makes me think that they're going to flip the script, both of them, because no one expected the Rockets to start that poorly. No one expected the Thunder to start that poorly. I know Carmelo Anthony had a part of it in Houston, and the injury to Russell Westbrook was part of it in OKC. So I believe... That the script is about to be flipped. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Grizzlies have been playing great basketball. Mike Conley has been magnificent. I repeat, magnificent. Marcus Hall has been great. And their rookie, Jaron Jackson Jr., is making a case for Defensive Player of the Year. So, can can they keep a high level of play going? Yes. But this high of a level of play? No. Now, I understand your point. And obviously, the Grizzlies aren't going to play like this forever. But you're being a little harsh on I think with the Grizzlies, it's all about injuries, because past couple of years, Mike Conley's gotten hurt, Marcus Gasol hasn't stayed healthy all the time, and I feel like if all the Grizzlies stay healthy, including Jaron Jackson, I think they can should, should be like a 4, 5, 6 seed in the West. Okay, so then, why haven't they been, before, my, before Mike Conley got hurt a year ago, why haven't they been a 4, 5, or 6 seed? They had always been a 7 seed. Well, Jaron Jackson's been... Uh, uh, huge for them this year. And you do make a good point. They've been playing well together this year, unlike the past couple of years. I think they the loss of a couple of people come back together. I mean, 
So, the way I see it, it's all about Marcus Saul and Mike Conley. They're the two big names in Memphis. So, they need to stay healthy. And if they don't stay healthy, trouble is going to them. But if they do stay healthy, I don't know if they can keep this pace, but they've looked good so far. Defending national champion Villanova suffered two bad losses last week. One by 27 to Michigan, and one to Furman. They've been knocked out of the top 25. They lost four players to the NBA, Will. Are they a threat in March again at all? Honestly, I don't think they're a championship contender at all this year. But, I mean, they're still a good team. They haven't lost everybody. They have some good new players. They're still a contender for the Big East, and like we still make it to the NCAA tournament. Every team has a early this year. I mean, you're right. It is early, and... Villanova has lost a couple of games, and that's not a good thing by any means, but if I'm going to be honest with you, they've won two national championships in the past few years. Jay Wright doesn't have much to complain about down there. I know they lost DiVincenzo to the NBA. They lost Brunson as well, so Villanova should not be complaining right now because they have their riches, but whether or not they're a threat this year still remains to be seen. The answer for me is no. Yeah, uh, Jay Wright has won two national championships in the last three years, so one bad year won't exactly kill him. Also in the NCAA, third-ranked Gonzaga beat first-ranked Duke 87-85 in Hawaii on Wednesday, marking Duke's first loss with her big three. Liam, are you convinced Gonzaga can defeat Duke again in March or April? Okay, so where are they playing is my question. If they're playing in Charlotte, North Carolina, where the Hornets play, God, no, I don't think that the Gonzaga Bulldogs can handle the Cameron Crazies like that. But if they play in a neutral location like they did the other day in, oh, not Seattle, Boston, for example, that's a that's a neutral location, I, it would, I think Gonzaga could beat them because their Japanese guy, Hamauchi, I think his name is, played great the other day, and the Gonzaga Bulldogs have proved to me that they're a fierce competitor in all of college basketball. I don't know if they'll be number one since Kansas won again this last night against Tennessee, but they're definitely a threat to go all the way this year for the first time in a long time, in my opinion. Well, I strongly disagree that Gonzaga has a chance to beat the Big Four again, unless oh. poorly. Because, I don't know, the, the Big Four, they're, they're still really young. Trey Jones, Zion, RJ, and Cameron Reddish, they're all like 18 years old still learning how to play with each other. Come to 2019, they'll get it together, and I think they'll play really well. Uh, 2019, there is no... Okay, well, so a couple of weeks back, we talked about whether or not Duke's season would be a failure if they didn't win the national championship. Would you agree with that statement, since they have four Um, one-and-dones? Yes, because they have the best recruiting class in the last decade. Okay, now, I don't think that's going to happen anymore, because... Gonzaga proved to me that Duke has holes and they are expendable. Zion Williamson did not. Cam, Cam Reddish did not play well. Zion had an okay game. Cam Reddish shot the ball very poorly on Wednesday, so they can limit Cam Reddish's shooting. I feel like RJ and Zion could go down with them. Yeah, that is true. I think it's all about shooting with Duke. If they shoot well, there's no one that can beat them. Oh, yeah. Well, it was a great game. I'd love to see that matchup again. 24, count them, 24 NFL teams play a game tomorrow and Monday night. Which one of them needs to win the most? Now, 
for me, I don't think it's just one. And I think in the in the AFC, there is one wild card spot remaining. The Chargers, they're already coming. In. All the other teams are at least two games behind them. So the Chargers have seemed to lock up seed five. And the Dolphins, Bengals, Ravens, Colts, and Titans are all five and five. And it's all a must-need win for them to both stay with their division leader and in the wild card. So you made an interesting point about staying with the division leader because my pick is is a division leader who got embarrassed two weeks ago by the Tennessee Titans. My New England Patriots need to win more than any other team because if they lose again this week, they're two games behind Kansas City. And I expect Pittsburgh to win tomorrow, so they'll be a game and a half behind Pittsburgh. And I expect Houston to win on Monday, so they'll be a game behind Houston. That'll put them in the fourth seed in the AFC, a place they haven't been in a long, long time. They need to win this week if they're going to have a home, if they're going to have a buy in the playoffs again. Because if they don't, I expect, I expect Pittsburgh to almost win out. I know the Patriots play them, and I expect us to win that game. But I expect, I expect Kansas City to lose no more than one or two games. I expect Pittsburgh to lose no more than one or two games. I expect Houston to lose no more than one or two games. So. The Patriots have to win this week. Get their mojo back. Yeah, I do agree with that. Oh, but, um, you don't want to face the Patriots in the playoffs, do you, Mr. Texan? Not really, but, I mean, they've, they've kind of already locked up a playoff spot because the Dolphins aren't going to catch them. Well, I mean, they lock a playoff spot every year because they play in the weak AFC East, but still, home field advantage would be nice. That's true, and I want the Texans to have that home field advantage. So... You have a shot, but I don't know if it'll happen. Alrighty, time to play In Your Shoes, where we'll be placed in the shoes of an important figure in a revolving topic. We'll start with this. If you were on the college football playoff committee and Alabama lose, lost to Georgia in the SEC championship game next week, which isn't an official game, but it's a likely game, does Alabama still make the playoff? First off, since we're talking about Alabama football, shout out to EHS alum Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Doing it for Alabama. Oh, yeah. But um, I think Alabama still does deserve playoffs, even if they lose, because they're undefeated and they've crushed every single team they've played, beating few by 27 points or something like that. That's incredible. So I feel like one blemish in their schedule does not should not ruin an entire incredible season. Okay, I agree with you. I don't think that I think if they lose to Georgia next week, that they'll still make the playoff. And part of it relates to what's going on right now in Ohio. The Ohio, State, the Ohio State Buckeyes are currently playing the Michigan Wolverines right now, and last I checked, they were winning at halftime. So if Ohio State ends up winning that game, and I think they will win that game, I don't think Michigan can win in Columbus. Michigan now has two losses, and I believe Georgia is number five right now, so that puts them at number four. So then we see Alabama and Georgia in the national championship game. I expect Georgia, I, if Georgia wins that game, I still expect Alabama to be in the playoff, just as the number four seed. They'll have to go up against Clemson in the for, in round one, and then I expect Notre Dame to win out. I expect Clemson to win out. So they will both be locked. But if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, Alabama falls to number four, which isn't a bad thing. They've won like that before. They did it just last year, but who knows? Wait, who is number four right now? Number four, Michigan. Oh, so you're saying that Michigan's going to fall out of the Oh, I'm saying Alabama Michigan is going to lose today and then fall out. 
Okay, so basically, Michigan needs Alabama to win. Uh, yes, but if Michigan falls at, if Michigan loses today, and I think they will, they're, they're definitely going to fall more than one spot, you would think. Yeah, that's true. But you never know if they win or lose. We hey, you never do know. It's a, it's a close game. Yep. Next up on um, this, whatever this is called, oh, the contradictions. Wait, what is this called that we're doing? In right your now? shoes. Oh, yeah, in your shoes. Uh, if you're a Sixers coach, Brett Brown, do you want Markel Fultz on your team? I don't need Markel Fultz on my team anymore because I just got added Jimmy Butler to my team. I can put Ben Simmons at the point guard. I can put J.J. Redick at the two. I can put Jimmy Butler at the three. I can put JoJo Embiid at the five. I don't need Markel Fultz on my team because... And, oh, and I can put Wilson Chandler at the four. That was a great pickup over the offseason by Philly. I'm not going to lie. The Sixers don't need Markel Fultz anymore. And I don't think they really want, would want Markel Fultz at this point because of that troubled shoulder. So, if I'm Brett Brown, I'm trying to trade him for picks because there are some teams out there like the Phoenix Suns that still need a point guard. So, if Philly decides to trade Markel Fultz, I expect him to get a, at least a decent return. So, I'm trying to trade him if I'm Brett Brown. I know I'm not the GM. I'm still trying to trade him. Yeah, I have to completely agree with you on this one. I do not want Markel Fultz on my team at all if I were the Sixers coach because he just messes with team chemistry. They always seem to play better when he's not on the floor and no one likes a free throw shooting form like that. But, uh, whose form is worse? His or Lonzo Balls? Oof, his, his is actually worse on free throw if you like. Just throwing it back and forth between your hands. But anyways, he's also trade bait so they need to get rid of it. Oh, absolutely. Alrighty, next up, if you are our old friend, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, what do you expect the final result of this season to be? Um, I expect them to be... I expect them to win them, because now they're tied with the Redskins. Yeah, they're tied with the Redskins. Yeah, I would have high expectations for them, have them win the NFC East, and realistically, everyone knows they're not going much farther than that. But if I'm Jerry Jones with this big ego, I would expect them to at least go to the NFC Championship. Oh, really? So you, so Jer, so you make a great point about having how big of an ego Jerry Jones has. That's why if I'm Jerry Jones, I expect my team to go to the Super Bowl. I don't care if I have to go through the Saints and Rams and whomever comes out of the NFC North, probably the Bears, to do it. Because I have such a big ego and I'm so confident in my team that I am certain we are going to go to the Super Bowl and perhaps win it, because I, I believe the NFC is stronger than the AFC by far. This is, I'm not talking as Jerry Jones right now. I believe the NFC has proven themselves to be stronger than the AFC this year. So unless... Yes. I think the only team that could beat the... Unless the New England Patriots go to the Super Bowl, the NFC has an easy path to winning it. That is my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just cannot see the Cowboys going to the Super Bowl, but I, I mean, you're right about Jerry Jones. No, no one can. No one can. You have the Rams, the Saints, the Bears, the Vikings. Yeah, there's no. The Panthers. Going. Jerry Jones is mine. Yes. Uh, last one. Um, if you're a free agent outfielder, if you're free agent outfielder Bryce Harper, how big of a contract are you looking for this offseason? Well, Bryce Harper just had a disappointing season. To be honest with you. Didn't even bat over 230, I think. So, but he has shown flashes of great talent in his career. So, 
I'm looking... I've heard three teams come up for Bryce Harper. The Philadelphia Phillies, the New York Yankees, and the Washington Nationals, who he has held with for a while now. I personally think he's going to go to Philly, but that I could be wrong. So, if I'm Bryce Harper, I'm looking for somewhere at least $300 million. Because a couple years back, Giancarlo Stanton got a deal worth over $300 million. I'm sure Bryce Harper thinks he's better than Giancarlo that Stanton. so. years, though. 13 years, $300 million. Yeah, true. But I'm looking for a 10-year, $300 million deal. Yeah, I don't know. I think he screwed himself over last season with that horrible performance. Oh, without a doubt. Winning the home run derby does winning the home run derby doesn't mean squaw. Yes, exactly. I think realistically, I would say two hundred and forty million dollars over nine to ten years. Oh wow. So that's the same amount of money that is the same amount of money JD Martinez makes with the Red Sox, around twenty five million a year. Because before last year, Bryce Harper, three hundred plus million after last year, two forty, two fifty, in my opinion. Okay, so I'm just going to make it contradict you because the JD Martinez makes over makes 25 million a year with the Red Sox. So if you think Bryce Harper is worth that money, you're wrong. Oh, shout out to Michael McGinnis who said he'd take Bryce Harper over Mookie Betts. Will prove him wrong. Oh, not to mention Mookie's a World Series champion. Bryce Harper isn't. Okay, enough enough black lashing on Bryce Harper. Time for the history lesson, boys and girls. Where we honor great achievements of the past in the coming week. 58 years ago today, November 24th, Wilt Chamberlain pulled down an NBA record 55, yes, 55 rebounds in the game. Chamberlain is remembered as one of the most dominant centers the game has ever seen, though still not as dominant as Bill Russell. Uh, 11 rings, 11 rings. If Wilt Chamberlain had the same teammates, he would have won 12 rings. I don't know. Uh, well, we'll never know that. But another history lesson: twenty-three years ago, on Dan Marino threw his then NFL record, three hundred forty-third touchdown pass, which I believe has Peyton been broken. Peyton's passed that, and Drew Brees. I, I think both Peyton and Drew Brees have passed that. Don't know for sure. How about Tom Brady? I would be surprised if he hasn't. Okay, but Marino has all the hierarchies of a great all-time QB, except winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was a big bummer. He couldn't get that one done. He truly was one of the greats. 43 years ago, to Wednesday, November 28th, Bobby Orr played his last game for my Boston Bruins. Orr is remembered as one of the, if not the greatest hockey player of all time. He is widely regarded as the greatest defender of all time. Better than Wayne Gretzky? Uh, Wayne Gretzky was a winger. No, Gretzky. Gretzky's the greatest player of all time. That not that's not going to change. The greatest defender. Uh, three years ago on Friday, November thirtieth, Kobe Bryant announced his plans to retire at the end of the twenty fifteen sixteen season. The Black Mamba is remembered as one of the greatest sports. And also a player that tormented the Celtics for years and years. Okay, the show's almost over, so it's time for who you got. We will spotlight one key matchup happening across all three leagues. We'll start in the MLB, Will. Who you got signing hard-throwing right-hander Nathan Eovaldi? Fan who saw how well Eovaldi pitched against the Astros in you the NLCS You mean the Red Sox? He pitched oh, well against the Red Sox. He pitched well against the Astros for the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I would really want to see him replacing Charlie Morton or Dallas Keuchel, who both seem likely to leave in the offseason this year. And, um, I don't know, he just seems like a great replacement for those two. Oh, well, Dave Dombrowski is not going to let him walk easily. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. He's a... He's a hero in Boston for that Game 3 effort, even though they lost that game. He's not going anywhere. I see your point. He was a World Series hero, so that would be surprising to see him leave. Yep. That's why we um, we, we, get, we kept Steve Pierce. Yep. And next, the Warriors and Raptors square off in Toronto on Thursday. Who you got for that? Well, the majority of the time I would say Golden State, but... With their chemistry issues lately and Steph Curry's injury and how well the Toronto Raptors have been playing, I'm flipping the script on this one, and I'm saying the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, this is a huge game for the Warriors. Oh, absolutely. If they lose this one, they lose this one everyone's going to be down on them. They're going to be down on each other, and that may direct the way for the rest of the season. Yeah, we talked a lot about it last week. This is trouble. Yeah, so, basically... This game is kind of 50-50 for me. I don't know who's going to win. They're both still good teams. I mean, just because the Warriors are slumping doesn't mean they're not a good team. Steph Curry's hurt, though. But I'm talking more about the implications of this game because this is huge for the Warriors. It's not a finals, it's not a finals preview. We all know what's going to happen to the Toronto in the playoffs. Yeah. Okay, last one in the NFL. The Packers and Vikings square off in Minnesota on Sunday Night Football. Who you got? Ooh, both of these teams have been struggling recently, but I don't know. But Aaron Rodgers has proven to play really well on Sunday Night Football in the past. I think the Packers got this one. The Packers have not won on the road all year, and all their wins have come at home, which is why I'm taking Minnesota. Well, Minnesota's been struggling recently, too. Yeah, true. To your point. But home field means a lot. Yeah. Well, that's all we have for today, boys and girls, and I'm Will Arnson. I'm Liam Griffin. I'd like to thank Will for being my guest today, and thank you for tuning in. Be sure to give this podcast a follow on Instagram at Full Court Press Podcast, and if you're interested in being a guest, please DM the podcast or contact me. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will see you next week.